What's your story? This is Success Stories with Kendra Hall, where inspirational people come to tell their story so that you can write your own. Here's Kendra. Today's podcast was actually inspired by a post I recently saw on Instagram. It inspired me. It made me feel normal. And I thought it would be a great topic of conversation for you and I. Yes, just you and I today. In particular, if you are someone who has had that sneaking suspicion that you should write a book. Now, before we get into the bulk of it and me sharing my experience with writing a book, I wanted to take you back to that Instagram post. I was scrolling through Instagram. Yes, I do that. It's a nasty habit. I have. And I came across a post by the great Brene Brown. Now, of course, as a writer and as a human in general, I have so much respect for Brene, for the work that she creates, and have long been curious, as I always am about the different methods and processes that authors use to write their own books. And in this particular Instagram post, Brene gave me a little insight. She said, I'm not a person who can write an hour a day. I can research and research and research. But when it comes time to actually write, I have to do only that. Uh, Now, of course, I'm paraphrasing this, but as I mentioned right at the top, this was extremely liberating for me because it turns out I have a similar process. And I'll admit, um, and I think we all do this, so, so maybe it's important to start here, and that is with the topic of comparison, You do it. I do it. It's a human thing to compare ourselves to the people around us. Now, it used to be that we could only compare ourselves to the people around us because that's all we could see. But now, of course, with social media, we can see all different people and have so many different options for who and why we compare ourselves. I would see other authors who would write on planes or who would write an hour a day, would get up early and put in a few hours on a page or or whatever it may be. And early in my writing career, I thought that's what I had to do too. And so I tried to do it. I would schedule creative time at 8 a.m. and that didn't really work. And so I would schedule it at 6 p.m. or maybe the afternoon was better it was a mess. And of course, life, right? So we have to work within the confines and the boundaries of our everyday life. But the reason I share this is because hearing Brene's process, if comparison is natural for humans, was really helpful for me because it made me feel normal because we have the same process. So That was my inspiration for sharing this message with you here today. In case I do have some budding authors out there, but they're kind of bogged down by the noise, whether it's the external noise or the internal noise of comparing yourself to others, that maybe me sharing my experience with how I write my books would help you. 
feel a little normal if this is your process, or if you're still trying to hone and discover your process, maybe could shed a little light on another option, a way of doing it. So let's get to it. First, I thought I'd take you back a little bit in case this is your first episode and you didn't know that I write books, or maybe you've been listening for a while and didn't realize that writer is something I am. So my first book, Stories That Stick, How Storytelling Can Captivate Customers, Influence Audiences, and Transform Your Business, was published in September of 2019. My second book, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, Silence Your Inner Critic, and Rewrite Your Life from the Inside Out, is going to be released January 11th, 2022, but it is available right now for pre-order. If you go to chooseyourstorychangeyourlife.com, you can get special bonuses and learn more about that. So two books and not only that, but I'm also, if you can believe it, in the process. And I say, if you can believe it, because my second book isn't even out yet. And I am already in the beginning of writing if you will, though it doesn't require fingers on the keyboard yet. We'll get to that. My third book, which does not yet have a release date, but has already been bought by a publisher. So that book is happening. So what I wanted to do was take you through um, my process for writing a book kind of from start to finish. And and I wanted to focus more on the book that I just wrote because I feel like it's a more true version of my method. So my first book, Stories That Stick, and I don't want to belittle this in any way, but, but for me, it was kind of an automatic write. At the time that I wrote this book, I had been speaking about the topic of storytelling in business for several years. And essentially, every keynote I gave was just more reinforcement of the book that needed to be written. So when it came time to write stories that stick, I really already had an outline. I had an idea. I had things that I wanted to say. I knew what my point was. And and though it's never easy to write a book, I was actually just listening to the podcast interview, um, Tim Ferriss interviewing Jerry Seinfeld. And you know what? I just want to pause for a moment here and say, for any creative person, especially for writers, that podcast is a must listen. The way Jerry talks about writing and his method is nothing short of magical. I have listened to it several times and I just recommitted actually to putting it on my calendar to listen to it once a month as a refresher and a reminder, not only for strategies for engaging in, engaging your creativity, but also to make me not feel so bad. Because in that podcast, as I mentioned, Jerry talks about the fact that writing is a really, really hard thing to do. Like it requires so much of a person. So the reason I share this with you is because though the writing process, the writing is always difficult. When it came to my first book, 
I kind of felt like I had a head start. And though I didn't want there to be a lot of repeat content, I really wanted people, if they read the book and then saw me live, or if they saw me live and then read the book, that there would be new stories, new examples, new thoughts. Uh, One wasn't a replica of the other. A lot of it was still frameworked out and ready to be written. However, when it came to my second book, which is the one that releases in January 2022, Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, I really felt like I was starting from square one. So, Let's start there. Where does any book start? It starts with an idea. Now, if you're listening to this and you've already decided that you want to write a book, then there you have it. Your idea is is there. And if you're still kind of trying to hone in on that idea and figure out, or maybe you have several ideas and you're trying to figure out which one to move forward with first, or if it's it is actually more than one, or maybe it's the same idea. It's, it's, it's two books that should actually be one. Wherever you are in the realm of your idea, this is where books start. And for Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, my second book, here's a little interesting behind the scenes for you. Because when I finished Stories That Stick and I started thinking about writing a second book, I, I always knew that that writing multiple books was in my future. That might not be for you. And by all means, that's totally fine. It is okay to write one great book that is on your heart and then leave it at that. But when I finished writing stories that stick, I was pretty sure my next book was going to be about storytelling in leadership, diving deep into the purpose story, which was one of the chapters and one of the story types in stories that stick. If you haven't read it, you should definitely go check it out. But to, to expand on that, how can leaders tell their stories? Why? What stories should they tell? How can they use storytelling in their work with their teams. It was going to be a book all about storytelling in business in in the realm of leadership. But what happened was, as my book, Stories That Stick, was out there, and as I started getting feedback and, and hearing from my audience, a different idea began to take shape because while the stories that we tell in business are extremely important, I found that people were really starting to think about the other stories in their lives. And and for me, it was also something that I'd been thinking about and paying close attention to my entire life. And that was the stories I tell myself. The stories I tell myself about myself, that that inner storyteller that really has stories from my past on repeat that build the beliefs that I have about myself that the, that determine the actions that I do or do not take and identifying that sometimes those stories actually don't serve me at all. And in fact, they hold me back. In some cases, they aren't even true or at least not aren't they aren't true anymore the reason i bring this up is because when it comes to writing a book be sure to stay 
open once you decide that writing a book is something you're going to do. And and even if you have the beginning of an idea, I really encourage you to then be very, very open to the messages that will come back to you. Each one of them is a little guiding light on, on what people want to hear, what, what they, what they need from you. If you listen to my podcast about my favorite books, you'll know that I'm a big believer in the relationship between us as humans and the magic of the universe and that that is where creativity comes from. So, so all books start with an idea. And no matter where you are in that ideation process, I strongly encourage you to, to stay open um, and, and be listening for the feedback and the messages that you get from people about what they want and need to hear and ultimately what you are here to serve them with your message. So once you have the idea, the next part, well, at least for me, is outlining. Outlining is a huge part of my book writing process. In fact, I would say it is the biggest part. It's the part that takes the longest. It's the part I spend the most time on. Yes, even more time than the actual writing of the book. You know, I think back to third grade. My teacher was Mrs. Carlson, and that is when we first learned how to write in an organized fashion. That's when we did our first research project. I think mine was either on the zebra or, you know what? No, it was on the elephant. My mom thinks it was on the zebra, but my first research paper was on the elephant. And we learned how to put together um, your your main idea and then the two or three sub points and your second main idea and the two or three sub points. It's actually the reason that when both first my son and then my daughter uh, were in third grade throughout the pandemic and doing third grade virtually. I was bummed. I was upset because, you know, you can say, well, it's just elementary school, but truly, I believe I am the writer I am today. The method I use today stems from that third grade class. I cannot stress how important for me and maybe for you getting the outline right is. It's so important for the rest of the creation of the book. In fact, the way I see it is is the outline really is that's the hard part. That's where you're trying to figure out what what is the point that I'm trying to make or what are the three points that I'm trying to make and what are the sub points that support that and and when you're writing a 300 page book, then there are sub points beyond that sub point, there are side points. But but if you're just focusing on putting the content in and, and the writing and the actual stories, but you don't have you don't have the outline, it's it's like trying to hang drywall in a house that hasn't been framed. Um so big part of my book writing process is the outline. And and I start with some of those questions. What is the point of this book? When when somebody gets 
all the way to the end of it, what have they learned? And then what is the journey that will best get them there? I heard a long time ago, and this is also on my mind when I'm working on my outlines. I heard a long time ago that very few people make it to the end of a book, especially the books I write are business books. I'm not writing fiction. I'm not writing novels, especially when it comes to nonfiction business, even personal development books, that that they just get tired, that the authors, and that's what I think happens, that the authors get tired. Because listen, by the time you get to those last 100 pages, you're beat. So having a great outline, make sure that by the time you get to the end of the book, you've already framed out what you want their experience to be. And you as the writer, as the author are as excited to deliver on that final note as the readers will be to read all the way to the end. Um, And that was actually another great piece of advice I got from a friend. He said, you know, the only way to have a best-selling book, and I know that's a, that's a, (laughs) That's a term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm going to write a best-selling book. Selling a book is an entire diff- entirely different podcast that we can, we can have that conversation at another time. Um, but to have a best-selling book, he said, it has to be a book that somebody reads and wants to share with their friends. Um, and then their friends get the book and then they read it and then their friends get the book. You can, you can see how it goes. And yes, of course, a lot of that has to do with the quality of the writing, of how compelling it is, of, of the timing of the message, et cetera, et cetera. But I also believe that a big part of that is the intentionality of the author, that they really do have a a, a plan laid out, a blueprint for the experience for the reader. So that's why the outline is so important. Now, for a long time, I thought that my time spent on outlining was actually procrastination. Uh, I would beat myself up about it. I would say, why are you outlining? You should just be writing. Why, why, Why don't you just get words on the page instead of outlining on a piece of paper? Oh, and I should say that so much as I was preparing for this, recording this episode, I was sketching out my process and realizing how much of what I do in my, as I write a book is really pen on paper uh, and different colored pens and different colored markers. I'm sitting at my desk right now and, and I just have a row of, there's, there's the red pen and the blue highlighter and the purple pen and the green pen that's gel tip, which is different than the other pen. I have a hot pink marker that isn't a highlighter. Like I have so many different, so much of my work happens on paper um, because I don't know, there's something more natural about that to me. So as I'm talking about outlining, I have scraps of paper, I have pieces of paper, and I, they're, they're all over my house. I eventually get a folder and I stuff all my outlines into the folder. And, and what's interesting is I will, sometimes I'll work on an outline and then I'll lose it and then I'll have to start over again. And then I find that outline and I and it's really interesting to compare the two and to see how my ideas have 
grown and changed from the first draft to the second draft, uh, which things got left out that should be added back in, which things were in the first draft that should be left out. I guess the point here is I spent a lot of time outlining. And for a long time, I thought it was procrastination, that it was time wasted. But I've learned, especially now going through this, not once, but but another time with Choose Your Story, Change Your Life and the upcoming book, that because of the outline, I am able then to sit down and really just fill in the gaps. And, and so as you'll hear in in, in just a little bit here when I talk about the writing, when I'm actually sitting down and writing the book, I can write a book in six weeks. Um, but that's because of all of this other thinking and outlining that happens at the beginning. So when you read one of my books, you'll see that they, so far, both books uh, have part one, part two, part three. And I spent a lot of time, especially on Choose Your Story, trying to figure out what those three parts were. And then I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what are the chapters in each one of those parts. So in Choose Your Story, we have three main parts. The first part has three chapters. The second part has four chapters. And the third part has five chapters. And then what how far do I take my readers in each one of those chapters? And how do they build on one another from one chapter to the next? And once that outline, and then you'll see in the book, there's little sub outlines or little subheadings and subs of the subs. Know that all of those things were written out on scraps of paper before they ever made it into the document that eventually got sent off to the publisher. I think the point being, A, you need an outline. At least I think you need an outline. There may be another author that says differently, but B, to that end, trust your process. This is this story, this, this episode is just one writer's process, one writer's journey in creating a book. And I wish looking back that I had trusted myself more, that I had been excited about the outlines that I was writing and seeing it as progress instead of procrastination. So whatever methods you use, if it works for you, then celebrate it. Now also happening at this same time and and quite frankly, all the time, As soon as an idea for a book comes into my mind and I'm open, as I mentioned, to that idea growing and becoming a book, I start gathering. So the gathering is happening kind of all the time. Um, as I'm thinking about this next book, I'm I'm hearing podcast interviews, I'm overhearing conversations, I'm having my own conversations, and each one of these little data points sometimes will set off a small flare in my mind that says, ooh, that could go in the next book. Now, I'll be honest, I have, let's see, I have the next book, which would be book three, and then four more after that, plus another four. So I have nine books on my mind right now. So I'm gathering all the time. Like I've already kind of built out what my next 10 years of what my next decade of book writing will be. But 
gathering the content that you're gathering the drywall essentially well and it's even better than that it's like the cool rugs and the decorations and the stuff you're gonna hang on the wall um gathering the content that will fill out that outline is happening all the time um and it's what makes it possible that when i do sit down to write and fill in the spaces in the outline that there's something to put in those spaces. So so that's another piece of my process is the gathering of content, the gathering of stories, the gathering of perspectives, the gatherings of ideas I want to include. Um, So like I said, it could be a podcast interview. It could be an article I read. It could be a conversation I have with someone or that I overhear from someone. Uh, and one of, when one of these ideas come to me, the biggest challenge is to capture it, is to catch it, is to get your hands on it uh, and put it in a safe place so that when the time does come to write, it's there for you to use. I wish I could tell you that I have some magical system for doing this. Uh, I don't. It is scattered and disastrous um, and completely imperfect, but I figure I might as well share it with you because so far it's it's imperfectly working, I suppose. Um, so some of the different ways that I gather information or after I've gathered it, where I put that gathered information is I will uh, quickly email an idea to myself. So I email the idea to myself. So at least it will be in my inbox. Now, make sure that you write enough about that piece of information that you know what you were actually thinking or how it would relate. Uh, There's nothing worse than reading that email from yourself and being like, where what on earth was I talking about? Uh, but that's one way to to capture some of your gathered information. Uh, then the other thing that I do is I have, I simply have labels or tags in my inbox where I label it, right now I can label it book three because I know my next book is coming out. And so when the time comes for me to sit down and write book three, I'm going to open up that tab on my email and have a whole bunch of content just sitting there waiting for me to use and and dig into. And since I already have the outline, it's really exciting because you're like, oh, this piece of information supports this subpoint and this piece of information supports this subpoint, And you can kind of throw it all in there. Um, I also have... Once the outline comes together and it's really clear the different chapters, I then open up a folder on Google Drive that is completely dedicated to that book. And then I have different folders for each one of the chapters. So this happens later on uh, when I'm when I'm through the outlining process or at least have my chapters down. That way I can start categorizing those ideas even more with even more detail. Uh, another thing that I have is I have a no- I use the notes app. I don't recommend that unless you have it really well labeled. I don't. I also use note cards, which is silly in a way, but sometimes you just, um, if you know, you're going to like, there are some times where my, the environment that I'm in is I know a really creative environment. So sometimes if we go to the beach and I just have time to think 
uh, ideas will come to me if I'm sitting at the beach. And so I bring a stack of note cards with me too, to kind of um, jot things down. Sometimes it's better for me to see it in my own handwriting. Where the note cards also came in handy was when I would be in the writing phase of the book, which is coming up in just a second here. And an idea would come to me that I know didn't fit in the book I was writing or the chapter I was writing, um, but it fits somewhere in my future. So I would write it down, put it on a note card, and I I have a little bag that has all my idea note cards in it so that I know these are great ideas that I had at some point and I capture them on note cards and put them away. Another great strategy I use for gathering content is to go back through and look at my own content. If you're someone who has been creating for a very long time, there's a good chance you have all of the content you need. You've already written those blog posts. You've already posted those Instagram captions. You've already filmed those videos or written those articles. Go back through and look at your own content and see what's there that can be used outright. See what's there that with a little bit of updating would fit right in. I have found so many great pieces of content for my books in the many, many years that I've been creating content without a book in mind. All right. So after the idea, after the outlining, once you have the gathering done, now I will say with the gathering, it's an ongoing process. I'm gathering now. I'm gathering when I write. I'm gathering all the time. So I I suppose before we move into writing, let gathering be the, the work that you do ongoing. It will make you a better and better writer and give you some sanity in the process. Now to the actual writing. And this was the post that originally inspired this podcast was when Brene Brown said that what she does is she researches, uh, same as gathering, she researches for, for endless amounts of time, uh, but isn't the kind of writer that can write here and write there and get in a couple hours in before a workout or whatever it will be. She is someone that needs to go into a cave of writing. And that is exactly what I do. I tried to write here and there, um, and it just didn't work for me. So my method for writing is to create a writing cave. Uh, I block out the time and for choose your story, change your life. I blocked off all of February and all of March. So what does blocked off mean? Well, I took a look at all of my various responsibilities for my role here at success. I have to write an article. I host various trainings. I host this podcast. So I made sure that all of my podcasts for February and March all the way into April were pre-recorded in the month of January. Yes, that meant a lot of interviews because I mean, that's two months worth of recording. But I I wanted to make sure that I cleared the decks for my writing. I also cleared the decks in terms of my speaking business. Here's the thing. I'm a keynote speaker. And at the time of my writing, most of my events were still done virtually. Now, it would seem really easy to quick pop in 
and do an event here or there. What's the big deal? But for me, I need to fully be in my writing space and any interruption. I mean, when you're thinking about preparing for a keynote, that takes a lot of brain space. It takes a lot of energy. You've got to be right there with the audience, which is even harder to do when they're virtual. So I knew that any day I scheduled a virtual keynote was essentially a day I couldn't be writing. My brain just wouldn't have the extra oomph because it would have been spent on keynote speaking. So I planned ahead with my team. We greatly reduced the number of events that I did and and I planned them out. I had the calls in advance. All of my conference calls that I have with my clients happened in advance. If I could pre-record, I did. Essentially, I did everything I could to make sure the only thing on my agenda for work was writing the book. Now, I did just say for work. Because what else am I? I am a friend. I am a wife. I am a mother of two. I'm also, at the time, our house was not only my office and writing space, it was my husband's office. It was my kids' fourth and third grade classrooms. Like there was a lot going on. But even among my family, they knew that when mama's door was shut, she was writing. My husband didn't come in. My kids didn't come in. It was a sacred time and a sacred space. Even my friends knew that chances are they weren't going to see me for two months. Now, I did reserve every writer needs a break from time to time. So I did reserve like every other Monday to go out to lunch with my friends. And I did make sure that I stopped my writing when I was at home at like 4 p.m. to spend some time with my family. But I greatly protected that writing time. Now, that's not to say it isn't hard to do. Uh, It's really hard to turn away paying business. It's hard to turn away clients. It's hard to say no to friends. But I've learned that this cave, this cocoon, maybe is a better way of saying it. I go in as a caterpillar armed with just my outline and whatever content I've gathered in this cocoon for six weeks and emerge a butterfly. And that was, that's just, that's just how it has to happen for me. So Now, knowing that that's the best way that I write, we are already preparing for what months I will take off next year to write the next book. So that's one way I handle the writing process. Uh, The other thing that's really important to my writing, which I realize really has nothing to do with writing, is the environment that I create. A lot of creatives get really particular about the environment in which they are creative. But as I mentioned, I didn't really have a lot of options. My family was here. We also had a nanny in our house who we were very privileged to have help monitor the kids' virtual school so that I could write and my husband could continue to work. So I kind of had to create my own environment. And I really just did that by putting headphones on with some great music and tuning everything else out. They're noise-canceling headphones. I can't hear anything that's happening in the other room. And the playlist is really important 
It's funny, people ask about this. Uh, some people only listen to non-lyric driven music, like soothing ocean waves. I do best with listening to music that plays in the same order every single time, but that is uplifting and energetic and that my brain likes. Because what happens is my inner ego starts listening to that music and and bopping along. And while it's distracted with its favorite tunes, my inner, inner creative can get all the words onto the paper that need to be written. I wrote my whole first book to the Dear Evan Hansen Broadway soundtrack. uh, And much of Choose Your Story, Change Your Life was written to the Spotify playlist of, oh, what's what's his name? Oh, Kygo. Yep. But by using that playlist and headphones, I was really able to create an environment anywhere. Now, I will also say that our family was able to purchase a beach home, a beach shack, I would say, during the pandemic. It's a, my husband is a real estate investor and wanted to pick up a great deal for a property to rent out in the summer. But trust me, nobody wants to go out to that cold, dreary beach house in March. So I did. I would take the train way out east, (laughs) down past the Hamptons, and hole up in the house all by myself. I will say that that was really lonely. um, And writing really can be lonely. But I was able to get great work done. And for that, I... I think it worked for me. However, as I think about in the future, if I do go out to the beach house again, I might tap into some of my other creative writing friends and see if they want an escape where we can go to our rooms, do our writing and come out for lunch, connect with humans, uh, go back in and write some more. Another important piece of my writing process is to set goals. Uh, Not only was I trying to fill in all the gaps of my well-developed outline, but if you're just writing without any real clear direction, at the end of the day, it was really hard for me to know whether or not I'd put in the work, whether or not I'd done a good job, whether or not I really was making progress. And because I was writing with a deadline, um, not only my own deadline of setting aside those six weeks to write, but also my publisher's deadline of when those words were supposed to be done, I divided, and this is where writing gets really mathematical. Jerry Seinfeld says that writing can be mathematical, so I would have to agree with him. I took the number of days that I planned to write and divided or multiplied, well, did some math to figure out how many words I would need to write a day in order to hand in a manuscript that is 60,000 words. 60,000 words is the length of a manuscript of like 240 to 300 pages, I say, which is kind of your standard nonfiction business book length. Um, And so I knew each day, how many words I had to get through. Now, the great thing about that was, is I didn't say the quality of the words. It didn't have to be the final draft. I just needed to get that many words on paper. And some days I would get 
7,000, well, not 7,000, that's a little much, 5,000 words on the page. And some days I would get 500 because I was deleting half of those 5,000 words. I just knew that I needed a number, a tangible goal to keep my creativity um, free. So I didn't have to question it. I, I could just do the math at the end of the day and see whether or not I was on track. So setting goals with your writing is really important. And for me, I set goals in terms of a word count. Not only that, but I was also posting my daily word count on my social media. Whether people liked it or not, I didn't really care. They probably didn't even know fully what I was doing, but it helped keep me accountable and it helped bring other people into what is otherwise a pretty lonely process. Finally, the actual writing. If you've been listening this long, you can see there is a lot that goes into a writer's process that really isn't what people consider writing at all. But after the idea, after the outline, after the gathering and setting some specific goals, getting your environment set up or creating it for yourself, it really is time to put words on paper. So what that process looks like for me is paper all over the floor. I get out a pair of scissors. I get out a roll of tape. I have lots of blank paper. I take my outline, I take the different content that I've gathered, I cut it all apart and I start taping it together. And by the end of it, I have this really long, you know, sheet of paper that that stretches several feet. It's not a piece of paper, it's many pieces of paper taped together. And it gives me a real clear visual image of where the gaps are. So, oh, this piece of my outline is missing a story or, oh, I should find research that supports this point. By having it laid out visually, it really gives me direction on where I should be focusing my energy that day. Essentially, I take it down chapter by chapter. And when I was writing Choose Your Story, Change Your Life, there were a few chapters that were at the beginning of the book, a couple that were in the middle, a couple that were at the end that... Um, that were going to be more challenging. And so I didn't even write the chapters in order. I think I started with chapter five. Oh, now I can't even remember, but I didn't write them in order because I decided to start with the chapters that I had the most content about, therefore buying myself more time to be gathering the information for the chapters that still felt a little bit light on on words that would go on the page. So I kind of wrote all around the book and then at the end brought it back together. But since I had a really great outline, I knew how each one of the paragraphs and sections would would fit with the next. So I could, it gave me the freedom to pick and choose which chapters I wanted to write first and which chapter I wanted to wrap up with. So it looks messy in my house. It's uh, And one day I left the door open and it blew my papers all over and it took me forever just to put them back together. Lots of paper clips. I don't use staples, paper clips, tape. Um, and then I finally get to writing. So I'll write a chapter. And then once I feel like the chapter is done, 
I'll read it. Um, I send it to an editor to read through it. Um, I might even give it to Michael if it's a chapter that I'm struggling with and want to get his opinion on. Uh, and then I go back and, and make the edits, but I try to write freely at first because being creative has enough pressure on it in and of itself. So to try to write perfectly the first time around, uh, I find is very stifling. So I just write and deal with what fits and what doesn't and what has to be cut and what needs to be added um, on the second go round. And then that's it. Then I have a book. But see, easy as pie. No, it isn't. Um, And if you are someone who has, again, this idea on your heart to write a book, I want you to know, as Jerry Seinfeld mentioned, uh, that writing is really hard. And so if it takes you a long time, if it, if it takes you years, I interviewed Susan Cain, who was the author of the book Quiet. It took her seven years to write that book. And, and she knows that about herself. For me, you know, the, the book took six weeks to actually put words on paper, but I was thinking about it for probably about two years, 18 months. Everybody is different. Um, And I'm hoping that hearing my process helps alleviate some of the stress or fear that comes with comparison so that, yes, if this is on your heart to use some of these strategies, to trust in your own, because if it's there, the book on your heart, it means that somebody needs to read it. And that's one thing that I know for sure, even if it's just you, even if you need to go back and reread your own book, even if it's just your family members or your friends or a very specific audience, I hope this helps. I hope it gives you a starting point for writing your own great book. And as I mentioned, if you want to check out what's happening next for me, uh, pre-orders are now available for Choose Your Story, Change Your Life at chooseyourstorychangeyourlife.com. I'll send you some extra bonuses, including an autograph, a video, thank you message for pre-ordering. You can go check that out now. Thank you so much for listening. And please be sure to let me know if you have any questions or about your great writing successes. This has been Success Stories with Kendra Hall. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop us a review, and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.